the Lord's looking at your heart and where your heart's at. And uh, that's what the Lord looks upon, you know. He, uh, he looks on our heart. So with that, let's just stand. Let's welcome his presence in this house. Amen. What has the Lord got in store for us today? My God, he gives us so much. His benefits have weighed us down. Amen. So, Lord, we just lift you up this morning and welcome you in this house today. Lord, we bless your name. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity, God, to come into your presence, to stand before you and to lift our hands, God. We declare your freedom and your liberty in this house and in this region. We thank you, Lord, that you have caused us to be the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. We thank you that you cause us to triumph. We are seated with you in the heavenly places in this house today. And God, as we go into worship, Lord, I just ask that you would have your way. Lord, that you would lead and guide us. Take us into that place. You know every need that is present in this house. And we release those things now to you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this worship. We welcome you. We know that worship is not just something we do on Sundays and Wednesdays, but it is an everyday thing, giving our lives to you. And we just honor you right now in Jesus' name. Amen. If you want to worship the Lord down front, I feel free. Freedom in the house this morning. Yeah. 
that's going on in your life. But when he's made to be the Lord, everything has to bow the knee. Amen. Jehovah Nisi fights our battles. Amen. Jehovah Nisi fights your battle. 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 Jehovah Nisi fights your battles. Jehovah Jireh meets your need. Jehovah Rapha heal your body. Jehovah Shalom be your peace. Yeah. Jehovah Nisi fights your battle.
You got a lion inside of those lungs. Get 
and all that that means, we embrace you, Jesus. We embrace you, Jesus. Our Lord, our Savior, our healer, our provider, our safety. You are our peace. surrender of our hearts, oh God. You deserve all the glory and the majesty. We bless you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your wonderful presence in this house. Thank you, Lord. seated in his presence. Mm. So thick. Amen. Let's continue to worship the Lord with our tithe and with our offering this morning. Amen. He is our provider. He causes us to triumph.
read this um, out of Psalms 35 and uh, 27. Let them shout for joy and be glad whose favor my righteous, who favor my righteous cause. And let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. Amen. He has pleasure in abundance in our lives. People say, oh, I don't want to preach that prosperity message. How can you not? It's all included in your salvation. He wants you to be so blessed that you can bless others. Wouldn't it be great to buy somebody a car or a house? Wouldn't it be great to send somebody across the sea to another nation? Did you know that when you do that, you partake in the fruit Mm. 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 You know, if the Lord's dealing with you about sowing seed, that's an amazing thing. That's an open door for you. Now, when you see a ministry that is going after the kingdom of God, and when you sow seed in them, you partake in that seed. And so I just want to say that this morning. I believe the Spirit of the Lord would say that if you've been uh, wrestling with that. Just trust the Lord and step out and see what He will do. Amen. So as we declare the blessing of the Lord over our tithe and offering, Lord, we just thank You that You make us the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. And Lord, we just bless You with the first fruits of our labors, God. We bless You with the blood of this seed. And God, that your blood in turn speaks for us when we stand in covenant with you. We thank you, Lord, for your healing covenant, for your deliverance covenant, for, Lord, your word that causes us to triumph. And we just bless you and thank you, Lord, for meeting our every need in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Amen. Continually remember our pastors in your prayers as they are traveling. There are other people traveling. Uh, I heard witness of some miracles this week. Um, people on that the doctor said no way have come through and uh, turned things around. And some of us know that situation, but man, I just thank the Lord for that. Whew. His word's the final word. And. Uh, he always comes through. Amen. He's so faithful and true. But this morning, Brother Kenneth Hughes is going to be bringing the word for us. Let's, let's just stand and give him a welcome this morning. And welcome. Open your spirit up to the word of God this morning. Amen. Amen. I'll holler if you want me to. All right, good. Come right back where you at and preach right to you. Amen. You know, you want spiritual results, you got to do spiritual things. 
You can't just do what you want to do and expect divine results. You have to do divine spiritual things. And so we're going to do something. If you've been filled with the Spirit, we're going to pray for just a moment in other tongues. And if you haven't, this is a good opportunity. You get filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Because we're going to charge this place up. Amen. I wouldn't want to be, I, wouldn't, I don't want to do anything the Holy Ghost doesn't want done. Amen. I just come to do what he wants to do. How about you? Amen. Join with me, if you would, please, and let's pray in the Spirit. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Now, Father, we thank you for this gathering of your people. You said we're two or more gathered in your name. There you would be. And so we, we know that you're here because you said that in your word. And we thank you, not just for your omnipresence, but for your manifested presence that will flow and operate. We give you free reign, free uh, to, to do as you please, and help us to follow the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Nothing else, not our own desires, not our own mind, but the Spirit of God. <clears throat> and that he'll bring glory and honor to the name of Jesus Christ and operate through us. Thank you that we have liberty of mind, liberty of thought, and liberty of speech, liberty to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church. Not only will we hear it, but we'll purpose in our heart to do what he says in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, <clears throat> you may be seated, please. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Never know how to start a service. Give me a couple of these. Let me do a little advertisement here this morning. We'll do that. We just came back from South America not too uh, not too many weeks ago, we uh, had a pub we got a publisher there now uh, that published some of our books, a couple of our books. I think my wife's already got a second one in uh, ready to mail out and be uh, uh, edited. But this is her book. I wouldn't take nothing from a journey now. This is 50 years of ministry experiences. We some people say they've read it and they cried and they laughed. Uh, I didn't read it, but I cried and laughed. <laughs> and it's basically about me. I said, well, it's not just about me because it takes two of us. Amen. So been preaching the gospel for 53 years. We've been back together. We had our 50th anniversary, uh, 26th of October. Uh, amen. Uh, I, I, I told a little story. And uh, we, actually, we went to this church. We didn't see the little boy, but went to this church this time when we went to Columbia. And uh, at, that, at that time, we'd been... Uh, Second time I've been married 46 years and 54 going by the first. And so I said to the crowd, I want to introduce my wife. We've been married 100, and 100 years. And I saw this little boy look and he thought, this ain't right. Something about this don't work. <laughs> and I said, well, and then I explained it. Praise God. Amen. We've been twice. So we celebrate the, that one. Then we have another December the 14th, which will be 57 years. But anyway, this, this will be a blessing to you. I know it will be. The stories that she told about us, got some, some pictures. They did a, we think we did it. They did a wonderful job. 
got a picture on the front. If the devil starts coming at you, just hold up the book. Amen. Amen. Scare him away. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And then, uh, and this is this is a hundred dollars. This one's at least two hundred because this has got about thirty years of ministry in it. It's a fivefold ministry. It will help you to identify, maybe identify the call on your life. There is a CD or DVD, not a CD, not a DVD, MP3 format, and we've got to work on and get it worked out to go with it. But this is 30 years of study plus. And we get, in fact, I might have to do it over and put some things in it, but it gives you a little guideline. A little girl, a little lady in Columbia was reading it to her um, little child, four years old, and she got filled with the Holy Ghost while she's reading this book. Amen. So, amen. That's tremendous, tremendous testimony. I, I wasn't nothing I'd done. It'd be something the Lord did. But these are available to you at the back of the church, and, and we're going to hold you at gunpoint until you buy one. Amen. We have a, it's, we've got a little bit of experience on them because we have to get them from Columbia here, and so it takes some doing. Amen. I, I, you never know what I'm going to do. I, I, I mean, I, I do and I don't. You know, you kind of get an idea inside of you, and then you don't always just follow that idea, and I never know exactly what I'm going to do to show up at church because I, I come with two sets of notes. I was working, believing I was going to preach the ones I'm going to preach to you, but last night I sat down to my desk and got another sermon. <laughs> and I thought I might preach it today, so I brought both of them just in case uh, one don't work, I'll work on the other one. Is that fair enough for you? And if you don't act right, I'll just do both of them. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Open your Bible, please, to Exodus chapter 2, verse 23. And uh, we've got a lot of our scriptures written out. I thought I would copy them out, but i got a copy machine problem. And uh, so uh, I, uh, I don't know what it is. It takes somebody more technical than I am. I want to talk to you about some things of prophetic significance. Let me say this to you. I believe at the very least that this is a prophetic church, and not just because there's prophecy, and, but because of certain things that's going on in it. God doesn't do anything unless he first reveals it to the prophets, meaning that those who are prophetic and especially those who are called to the office for prophet, God will reveal things to them quicker than anything else. Me, I experience it before it ever happens. I go through it, and so when I stand to preach, I can preach with a little bit more, um, <clears throat> if you want to put that word in there, uh, because I've been through it already. Uh, and so as a prophetic church, you're at the forefront of what God is doing. In this area, you'll be at the forefront of what God is doing. And so there's some things that are very significant to the prophetic thing. You know, one of the things is this. I say this, have said this and preached about it over the years because I've gone to places where they didn't know anything about the prophetic ministry, didn't know anything about prophets. And a lot of times that the pastor knows, he can kind of forewarn, I guess would be the best way to say it, of what to expect. But you take, you take, you have four services, you take two and a half of them to get people ready to receive from you because the Bible said you receive from a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. That's to be fed in famine. That's to have the dead raised, various different things that we see patterns of it in the Old Testament. And so um, uh, those things are possible. Uh, and so it takes, a, it takes a little while to get people acclimated. I don't always, uh, as we would say sometimes, skin your hide. 
I like to have some things that will help you. I like to say some things that bless you. I believe what we're going to say today will be a blessing to you. So look, please, at this scripture because I want you to understand something. If you're at the forefront of what God wants to do in this area, you don't have an option that some of the other churches have. You don't you have that option. Now, if I've heard anything come out of the heart of your pastors and our pastors, and I say our pastors, it's your pastor, but our, my pastor too, is that there's a real crying hunger for a move of God. Amen. It takes something to have a move of God. You know, this sermon was kind of born out of a seven-month revival that we preached. And uh, I don't preach these kind of sermons except when I feel like there's a, the possibility of revival. Pastor did say, if something just breaks out, keep it going. So, amen. We'll make sure it's breaking out before I do that. But anyway, <laughs> but we would like to see it break out. Sure enough, I, I keep telling him, just preach the revival yourself. Amen. I mean, he, would, he, would, he knows the heart of the church, the, the conscience of the church. He knows what needs to be said. And he's, uh, they're excellent preachers. And so what can you say? You can't bring anything in you better than what you have. Thank you for those few amens. I'd like a little bit of better amen. In case they're watching the stream today, and we'd like to hear you really say amen. Praise God. Amen. So, and you know you don't know what you have until you don't have it. And you miss it then, and you say, man, I wish I'd have paid better attention. Well, you know, pay attention. Praise God. Amen. That's what you need to do. Amen. Uh, Exodus chapter 2, verse 23, and it came to pass in the process of time. That, that the king of Egypt died, and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage. And they cried, and the cry came out to God by reason of the bondage. You know, you do a lot of things when you're backed up against the wall, right? And God heard their groaning. God heard their groaning. You know, there's a, a, the alternate scripture I was thinking about doing is in Romans 8 where he says, one of the verses there says, the earnest expectation of the creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. That's people who have achieved a level of maturity and completeness in the things of spiritual things. And, and, and the, the world and all of creation as well as the world are waiting for that. They don't know they're waiting for it. You know they're protesting Israel and doing everything. But the real cry is, is exactly what they were doing in the 60s. They were protesting everything. And then at the end of that, there was a move of God called the Jesus Movement, and I was a part of that to some degree uh, and because I got born again right at the, uh, uh, in 1969. And so, uh, you know, it's the world is looking for a cause, and they'll create their own if they don't have a cause. They might as well have the cause of, that the gospel presents. They might as well have a cause that the Word of God presents. Let that be your cause. If you're going to have a cause, your cause is to get the lost saved at any cost because we're, if, we, if you can't tell anything about end times, I can tell you this much. From my, I'm not an end time preacher. Some other people are better qualified than I am, so I don't try to go there. But the fact of it is I know enough to know that we are living in the end times, maybe closer than any of us think, and what we're going to do, we better do while it's day because the night's coming when no man can work. You know, prophetically speaking, I thought the church had been raptured out of here before now. I sure wish it had. Don't you? Well, if you're not ready, you don't. <laughs> but, but, but you know what I'm saying? Praise God. And so he says they groaned. 
There's a travail in them, and, rem- and, and God remembered. They'd grown, and God remembered. It takes something to get God's attention. You just got to show God you want, you got to show. The Bible said, study to show yourself approved. I went to Bible school, they drove us nuts to that scripture. And to study to show yourself approved, study, they were emphasizing the need to study. And when you need to study, you need to be prepared in the Word of God. But what you study, you need to do. So study to show. Hallelujah. You got to show God you want it. You don't show God you want it, He's not going to fool with you. He's not going to waste no time on you. And, and you know what I'm saying? Thank you for being enthused about that, but it's true. I'm not talking about you necessarily, but then again, I am. I guess you're the only one here, so I guess I'm talking about you. But he said they're grown, and God looked up on the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. And so it's, <clears throat> it's a, I've got so many things, so many notes, I can't keep up with all of them. So those, are, those things of prophetic significance are very important. Issues, listen to me, of exodus or deliverance are important issues. They're important. Well, who are they important to? Those who need it. Do you know you have a, you're here this morning, you're blessed, but there's a community around you that don't know or have a clue about what you're experiencing. And if they do, they want to experience religion and they need to have a one-on-one encounter with Jesus Christ. Amen. We used to say years ago, do, do you have, a, when we go witness people, do you have, you have a personal experience with Jesus Christ? Have you had a personal invitation? You know, I like one man. He said, I used to witness with him, and he's gone on with the Lord now, but we walked the streets of Dallas and preached and, and witnessed with him. And he'd just walk up to somebody and say, you know, I talked to someone today, and they talked really highly about you. They really, they, I mean, they had good things to say about you. And everybody wants to know, well, who is that? And then he'd take off and tell them about Jesus. Amen. But there's deliverance. There's deliverance issues. My God, we, if you don't see the need for deliverance, take a look at the homosexual community. That's not a, gen, that's not a born problem. That's a demon problem. Look at the cancer victims. Look at the, uh, all kinds of diseases in the world. The devil is behind. He's out to kill, steal, and destroy. You better get that in your little pipe and smoke it real good because I'm telling you that's what he's out to do. And so the church needs to be very much aware of the fact that, that, there are, that there, these issues are important to God. They're important to God. They ought to be important to us. Beyond anything else, they ought to be important to us. I'm just following my notes a little bit because I'm getting off of the ground. Biblical history, then, is full of accounts of God working through prophetic vessels to make a way out of no way. Here's what I want to say about that. Before God does anything, He gives a preceding word. He tells you what He's going to do. He puts it in your heart, whether He speaks it to you, whether He gives someone. In our case, you have a, you have a pastor, you have a leader who is uh, portraying the vision. He's saying, when you listen close enough and not just listen with your natural ears, but listen to you with your spiritual ears, then you can hear some. You can hear the cry of God coming through him and through uh, him and sister pastor. You can hear that cry. You can begin to catch the vision of that cry. And if you catch the vision, then you know, one of the things I really want to say and before I get too far into this is the fact is that if we're going to seek God for revival and have a manifestation of the glory of God, then the glory that Jesus is talking about is the glory that makes you one. can't be no isms. It can be no schisms. It can be no divisions. There's got to be a, a, a unity that's brought about. It's not a man-made natural unity. I... I 
You know, it amazes me how a, a, a guy, he, he really wasn't called to the ministry, but he thought he was. And he said, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pastor in Texas. And he said, I'm going to get all the preachers together and, 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 you know, bring them in one place. I said, well, good luck for that. I mean, <laughs> you know, good luck on that because it's, you, only God can produce the kind of results where unity is concerned that brings the glory of God. If unity brings the glory, then the glory brings the unity. I mean, we, there's a reciprocation. Jesus said, to, we prayed in John 17, 1, he said, I'm going to pray. I pray, Father, that you, give, uh, that you will give me the glory that I might glorify you. Even Jesus needed the glory to glorify him. The thing that, that we need to lay hold of is the manifested presence of God, the glory of God. We call that many times. It's one and the same. And, and they can operate the same, but we need that in order to bring maximum glory to God. You can't do it any other way. You can't, you can't, there's nothing you can do in your human effort that's going to make any difference with God. But what, what is born in your heart and comes out of your heart is the thing that moves God. That's why worship is such a powerful thing. A lot of people worship with their mouth. Their mouth is good at it. They know how to do it. They have all the right phrases. They know when to shout. They know when to do the things that they need to do. But it doesn't come from the heart. And that's what God looks at. That's, that's true worship. I just throw that in for extra. Uh, extra. No, no charge for that. Amen. Praise God. Now, the, God moves to restore and recover. That's what he's on. That's his agenda. What's lost? Well, I'll tell you what. In my 50 years, 50 some years of ministry, I can tell you 53 years ago, it was a lot different than what it is today. There was a lot more things happened. I've seen a lot more of the manifestation of the miracles of God and things of God than I see today because you have to work harder to get it because we have to access all kinds of things that we can do to circumvent that which we do. But so we, the heart of this message is, and we're going to get to it here in just a minute, is that there's some things that needs to take place in order for us to come to a place where we groan and cry out. This is, this is revival praying. It's a, it's a, you know, it's at a place where uh, it's a crisis going on with the nation of Israel the 400 and some years or generations of bondage and crying alone didn't move them to God too much. It's the groan that come out of the inside. So you can cry, oh, God, have mercy. I mean, he'll have mercy, but he won't answer the prayer because you ain't asking for anything yet. Thank you for shouting on that one. You're going to ask him according to his word. If you ask him the thing the Bible said, according to his will, he hears you. How do we, how do we, how, what is his will? Well, he said, Jesus said, before you ever left this earth, whatever you ask the Father in my name, I will do it. Or he'll do it. It'll get done. So but his will for asking is asking in the name. And so, so the whole idea of God is to restore things that we've lost. Hallelujah. I mean, I, I, our, I, the book that my wife wrote tells some of these, just a, some of them, I think were about 40 stories in there. And you've got another 40 coming. And it's hard to realize how much you've, uh, what God's accomplished through your life until you look back at it and see, well, look at here. I don't remember that. I don't recall this. You, you asked me to remember, and I don't remember some things, some things I did remember. But, uh, but there was a time, brother, when you preached the gospel, people wouldn't waste no time getting to the altar. You didn't have to drag them. They'd come on their own. They fell in the altar and prayed and sought God until they got a hold of God. They just stayed there until they got a hold of God. Church I started out in, we started at church, started church on Sunday night and was still there at 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning at the altar praying. 
Hallelujah. And there was a move of God going on in that church. And that's in Roanoke, not too far from here. And my uncle was the pastor. When you, the glory of God manifested to some, such an extent that when you started walking up the steps going into the church, you begin to bawl and squall and cry. And you didn't even know why. But the glory of God was moving, and on Sunday mornings, while the singing was taking place, 20 and 30 people sometimes would get up and go to the altar and kneel down and receive Jesus without anybody giving an invitation. See, we're talking about a move of God. We're talking about restoration. We're talking about a nation of, of, of close to 2 million people who walked in the presence of God Almighty. See, this is a corporate thing. And what we're going to say may be on an individual basis and maybe it can be applied that way, but, but until the corporate body gets the idea that we need to really groan. Now, I come here on every Tuesday night for a prayer meeting, and there's quite a few comes, and that's good. But there's more of you could come if, you, if you're free to do that to come. But, and I've, I've talked a little bit to the pastor about this. What I'm looking for is something that a little bit, that a lot of people don't know anything about, and that's when you just lay in the altar and groan and scream and, 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 and cry out for mercy, and, and, and your heart's broken for the lost, and your heart's broken for every other thing. You, you've caught the heart of God. Because a good shepherd goes after that kind of a person. And he's looking for a corporate body who will say, all right, we, uh, we, we know that there are certain people in this church that have problems and they, they deal with situations, but this is not a problem about that individual person only. That's part of it. But the problem is that a, look, a good sober look at the community makes you realize that there's a real need for you to spend quality time in the presence of God until you lay hold of his power and his presence because the only thing that's going to change circumstances in this area is the power and the presence of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Hallelujah. If you're going to have a move of God, that's what you're going to have. That's what you're going to have. Whether it falls on you, and I see a lot of times we think about it that way, and I like it when it happens that way. When God just comes suddenly, the Bible's full of God's suddenlies. And he just comes suddenly to snap your finger. You, you're not even thinking about anything. All of a sudden, whew, right there they are. I remember in uh, Venezuela, I thought I might have told this when I preached here before, but in Venezuela, we were preaching just um, years ago. Great big Venezuelan, he about 300 pounds and about a little over six foot. He was sitting next to my wife and me, and, and the Spirit of God was moving. I was sitting next to my wife, and the Spirit of God, and I was preaching. And I, and I was using the scripture, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Come, let us bless his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Just talk, I wasn't doing anything dramatic. You know, I wasn't doing anything that made what happened happen. But it just, poof, like that. Just come. The presence of God just come. Well, that's good when it does that. But it wasn't done without something having been done prior to that. See, the reason we stay faithful to what we do and what we should do and what we should be is that we're setting up, we're, we're setting things up for God to do that. Because um, you ain't going to like this probably, but if some people are living in such a way that if God come like that, they just fall over dead in the seat. Because you can't stand in that kind of a presence just in an ordinary way. Now, listen, you're not perfect and neither am I, but God looks at the heart. And he sees perfect hearts, and if the heart's not perfect toward him, then you can just you and you bring a damage on yourself. You can hurt yourself by doing that. 
And so it's it's important. But he just he just came in this big Venezuelan. He he, he borrowed I think a you know, tissue off of you or a handkerchief from my wife's handkerchief, wiping his nose because all your orifices loosen up when the spirit of God comes on you. Your your eyes crying, your nose run. If there's anything come out of your ears, it'll come out of there. And if your brain's liquid, it'll come out too. But anyway. <laughs> And he was wiping his nose. You know, you have a handkerchief for each hand, one for the nose and one for the eyes. And he wiped his nose and handed it back to my wife. He didn't even know where he was at. It was just, whew, just like that he came. He began, instantly, everybody in the building began to cry. Just cry. I don't know why we do that. I don't know why we cry in God's presence. I don't understand all that. But we do. When I died in 2011, I was crying. A lot of people cry when they die. Well, that's a good time to cry if you're not ready to go. Are you out there? All right, let's get on with this sermon this morning. Now, the cry of Israel, the people of God, was born out of a need or necessity of survival. You know what's going on in the church in the world today as a result of the church not praying? A man of God with the name of Kenneth Hagin gave a prophecy in 1982 of what was going to happen if the church didn't pray. Do you know that's happening right now? Huh? We didn't see the need to survive. But do you see it now? I mean, you know, you have to pack a pistol if you go out. You know what I'm saying? You, I mean, the world is living in such a, such a state of being that it's, we just have to be ready all the time. You ready? Ever, ever. My wife, we stopped in the car wash and pulled up in the car wash, and somebody wanted to get in the car wash where we was in and got mad and was fussing at her. And, you know, it was a good thing I didn't have my pistol because I think I would have got out and said, you want to talk to that to me? But I thank God I didn't have a pistol. I had to act like a Christian. But anyway, <laughs> amen. amen. Made me mad. You don't be picking on my wife. I'm going to shoot you for that. I'll tell you that right now. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. She's not very big. She can't take care of herself anyway. Well, don't, don't believe that. But anyway, you, you used to tell my kids, you don't repent. I'm going to turn your mother loose on you now. The cry of Israel, the people of God, then was born out of survival or need. My, we, we say, my God supplies all of our needs. You need to look at that verse. It's not need, just need. What's your need? What is that you really need? See, the worst thing you can think is that you've already arrived. The worst thing is that you can think is that you've already got all that you can get. That's the worst thing you can do. You can never get all you, you can, you, you know, you, you, you just get all you can, can all you get. That's what we used to say. Hallelujah. I mean, you, you, you think, well, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Well, you may be okay. You may go to the rapture. You may go to heaven if you die. But the fact of the matter is there's a community going to hell and your the circumstances of, of the survival of this area is dependent upon you and I. <coughs> Especially the spiritual. See, I, I'm telling you, I'm not fussing at you. I'm putting in the responsibility where it lays. I had a little thing here in front of my um, Bible by Winston Churchill. He said, the price uh, of greatness is responsibility. Huh? I mean, you know, if you, uh, we become responsible. So, so then the next point is survival uh, uh, situations will shape your speech in the presence of God. Just look at Deuteronomy uh, uh, 11 for a minute. I think I got this down here if I can read it. Uh, you see what my printer did? It, didn't, it works perfect until I get ready to do something for the Lord didn't act stupid. So I'm going to lay hands on it when I go home and cast the devils out of it. Well, you're a live bunch this morning. I can't hardly get, get a word in. You may, now, 
Deuteronomy 11, 13, And it shall come to pass, if you shall hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God and to serve him, <coughs> excuse me, with all your heart and with all your soul, that I will give you the rain of your, uh, of your land in his due season, the first rain and the latter rain, that thou mayest gather in thy corn, thy wine, and thine oil. And I will send grass in the field for thy cattle, that thou mayest eat and be full, or that, uh, yeah, that thou mayest eat and be full. Take heed to yourselves that your heart be not deceived, and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. And then... And then if you do that, if you've got your mind on something else other than God, then uh, it's uh, into some shape, manner, form, it's kind of idolatrous to you. And then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you, and he shut up the heavens that there be no rain, that the land yield no, not her fruit, unless you perish quickly from all the good land which the Lord giveth you. Now, let me give you another one that I know you're very familiar with, Second Chronicles 7, 12, and then we'll make a point. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer. But well, that's a good thing when God says, I've heard your prayer. Hallelujah. I mean, I don't know if you ever had God say anything to you, but when I first got saved, I, 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 you know, you still got a lot of sin in you, so you just sin. You just do things you wouldn't ordinarily do when you get older in the Lord. So you just, I hadn't, I hadn't been saved very long, so I did something. I don't remember what it was, but uh, I wouldn't tell you if I did. But anyway, I, I said, I was working the job. I said, oh, God, please forgive me. Please forgive me. And I said that probably a dozen times. Finally, the Lord said, I heard you the first time. Don't say that to me again. <laughs> what do you do with that? You know? He heard me the first time because his word says if we confess our sins, he'd be faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. I didn't know that verse then. I know it now. Praise God. Now watch. He says, so he heard his prayer and chosen this place to, uh, and have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. I want to just talk about that a minute. There's a sacrifice involved for a move of God. The thing that you've got to kill in you is not the devil and not the devil's work itself. That's the thing that wants to act up and do its own thing all the time. You can see it right from the very beginning of the Bible in Cain and Abel. You can see it. One wanted to go his way and one wanted to go God's way. And you're only going to go God's way. And that's a theme throughout the whole entire Bible. You can't do it any other way. You've got to, we've got to do it his way. And so uh, in order to have what he wants, we've got to do it. So there's a certain sacrifice involved. When things get to blowing and going in here, and they are and they will, praise God, and you are going to find out that you're not going to have time to do a lot of things that you ordinarily would do, and you're going to have to spend some time here in the presence of God, and that's going to be where you're going to be, and you're going to, you can't be A-W-O-L. You're going to have to, be, you're going to, have to report for duty. Yeah. Amen. And so you understand that there's a sacrifice involved. We had people in, in the one revival we preached, drove, 100, drove 250, 300 miles a night, went home and worked and come back. <laughs> they come back the next night. I thought, how in the world they'd do that? And, I, and Pastor and I have talked a little bit about this. I said, I believe that God, if we show God we mean business, he releases the spirit of might upon us, and we can do anything we need to do and still have time left over. <coughs> Hallelujah. You know, Dr. Summerall took uh, Rod Parsley and Alf Ekman with him on a trip, and they'd like to warm out. Their tongues were hanging out of their mouth, and he told them, uh, and they were, uh, he told him, he said, you boys go in the room and sleep. He said, you can't keep up with me. I've got the spirit of might. <laughs> Amen. He had it too, praise God. Amen. Amen. So he said, 
Here's a, here's a verse now. We, we often quote verse 14, but listen to verse 13. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, and if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence up among my people, if my people, if that happens, if you find yourself in that kind of a situation, if that's where you are, whether it's individually or collectively, if you're there, then verse 14 works for you. But sometimes we want to go to verse 14 and bypass verse 13. And that's hermeneutically not possible because we interpret in light of the context. Hallelujah. Hermeneutics is a big word I learned years ago. I have no idea what it means. But anyway, I'm kidding with you. Uh, but if my people, which are called by my name, are you called by his name? Look at your neighbor's name and call by his name. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, shall humble themselves. That isn't, you know what humility really means? It means I'm going to lay all of myself aside and I'm going to say I'm going to do it your way. Humility is total dependence on God, not dependence on anything you have. Even though we are talented and we have certain ways that we can do things and, and we want to help the Lord out, he don't, he's singing the song from heaven, need any help? No help, won't need any help? Some of you don't go far enough back to remember that, but anyway. Brother Dalton, you're smiling. You know, we go there, don't we? Now listen. Shall humble themselves and pray. You humble yourselves and pray. Thank God he hears prayer. And seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their land and heal their, and heal their land. I will forgive their sin and heal their land. See, the thing about it is, and I'm going to go back and make this point again. The cry of Israel, people of God, was born out of a need of necessity for survival. When you find yourself backed up in the sea, and we can do that individually. If things don't go good for us, then we need to seek God. We cry out to God, and we, and we get a lay hold of God. He does something for us. But in order to catch, in order for unity to be operating as it should be, then the heart of the church has to catch that. I mean the whole church. You ought to do a word study on the word together, especially in the New Testament, and see what, uh, what the word together has to say. It's a lot in there about being together, about gathering together. The Bible said we need to, uh, especially in the last days, we need to gather together. It's very important. It was Israel walked through the Red Sea, and Paul talked about it in 1 Corinthians 10. Uh, in fact, let's just turn there because I want to read that. Amen. 1 Corinthians 10. Because uh, I want you to see this. This is the corporate, but there's, there's, there is individual faith and there's corporate faith. Here he said, moreover, brethren, verse 1, I would not that you should be ignorant. And that's exactly what we are. It don't mean you're stupid. It means we don't have the facts. We don't have all of gathered together. I don't know that we ever will. I mean, you know what I'm saying? We're going to get this done, this done, in order to make it a perfect, perfect situation for God to move. But, but like once again, he looks at the heart. He knows that the heart wants excellence. He knows the heart wants uh, uh, things to be perfect. He knows, he knows what's going on in here. But, but we, we don't always know. We're not informed. That's what was going on with this crowd. How that all the fathers were, un, all the father, our fathers, that's a, all the whole entire nation of Israel were under the cloud. That's the glory of cloud. And all passed through the sea, which is a type of water baptism, and were baptized unto Moses in the, in the cloud and in the sea. And now watch this. And did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Now, see, here's the thing about it. 
in order for things to happen, it's very important for us to learn to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to us. I love this scripture in the New International Version where it says in Psalm 62, 11, my, he, he has spoken once, but I heard twice. What do you think Jesus meant when he said, He that hath ears, let him hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church? He said to one crowd, You have ears, but you don't hear. He said, You have spiritual ears, but you're not tuned in. You're not listening. You're, not, you're listening for something in the natural when you need to be listening to something in the spirit. What do you think when pastor sits in his pulpit and preaches the Word of God, or anybody else for that matter, preaches the Word of God, what God wants us to learn how to do is to tap into that, what the Spirit of God is actually saying. It's, it's more than just the words that we present it with. It's something that, is, if you want to say it this way, it's a hidden message in it. There's something in there that God wants us to hear. Very important for us to hear it because, because the idea that God has in mind is that we all eat the same spiritual meat and we all drink the same spiritual drink and then we'll all be into the cloud together. And let me tell you something. If corporate faith comes to the level, they won't get through the back door 10 feet though the power of God will come on them and either convict them of their sins or, or heal their body or whatever else needs to be done. They won't get through the door until they experience that. If the church is right, if the body's right, if, if, we're, uh, if we're, we're doing what's necessary in order to have the corporate presence of God, then the corporate presence of God will come and you just walk in it like Israel did and your shoes will never wear out, your clothes won't wear out, everything in your body will be healed, you'll be made completely perfect. Hallelujah. That's what we're after. That's what we want. We just don't know how to want it. But there's something inside of you, whether you ever admit it or not, that's crying out for it. There's something in you and there's something in me that says, got to be more than this. There's a scripture I'm thinking about, and I think it's in Psalms 42, but don't quote me on that for sure. Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of the water spout. I heard William Branham say this uh, on, a, on a DV. I wouldn't end his ministry personally. I wish I could have. But he said, if healing is provided, and he was talking about healing, is provided in the Word of God and God's economy for His people, you know nothing about it, yet there's something inside of you that pulls you toward that. The problem is a lot of people get sidetracked in some stupid religion says, God don't heal today. Well, then he died. And the Bible's a lie. And you can't believe any of it. Or either he did or he didn't. Which one is it? You have to make up your mind about that, don't you? So there's something inside of you that says, there's more than this. I don't have to live my life like this. Don't you get tired of you being sick and tired? Don't you get tired of things just being ordinarily run-of-the-mill? I hate ordinary. I hate ordinary. I don't go on my way to be stupid, but I mean, sometimes I hate ordinary. Just let God do what he wants to do. Let him move. And if it's not, if it don't meet what I think it ought to meet, it's none of my business. It's his problem. I don't know how you're going to react to it. People react different ways. I was reading, my son sent me, give me a book. By, this, he said this, his name was Lorenzi Dow. And he was, he was an old time. He never shaved. He never bathed. He was a Methodist preacher. He was a horrible looking thing to look at, but he had the power of God in his life. Hallelujah. I mean, he just absolutely was un unbelievable. And, and the Methodists wanted to throw him out, but they couldn't because he was getting so many people healed. He was so prophetic. And you can't get that book. And I think I've got maybe one of the, one of the copies. I don't know the copies it is. You might be able to get it. I don't know. But anyway. He was talking about some things that happened in some of the meetings. They were talking about some of the things that happened in, in the, uh, the awakening that happened in the 1700s, the late 1700s. They barked 
They shook. They quaked. They did all kinds of things. Well, what, you know, I don't know. You know, usually when I hear something barking, I need to cast something out. But I don't know anything. I mean, I've never seen that happen in a certain, but I've seen all kinds of things. I've seen them. I'm, I'm hoping it happens here today because it looks like it needs to, that you get so powerfully overcome by the Holy Ghost that you have to crawl out of the church. Wouldn't that be a wonderful testimony for the pastor to come back to and say, oh, we were by your church the other day, and all the people were crawling out in the parking lot. Well, that would be something, wouldn't it? <laughs> Amen. I actually had a place up here. It was in Radford preaching 25 years ago, and a lot of my family was in there. And, you know, you do a lot of things. When your family's around, you you know, if you're a prophet, you just don't work real good. But anyway, I, we, the Spirit of God just began to move. And, and the pastor told us the next night, he said, I was standing at the back door of the church and watching my saints crawl by to get, to get out of the building to go get in the car. He said, I was dying. My pastor's flesh was dying by the minute. Every time somebody crawled by, but God, but God, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. If I could make you crawl, I'd get you down crawling right now. But I can't make it happen. I can only God can make it happen. But He can make it happen. Let me tell you something. I, I, the times I remember more than anything else is times like that when the Spirit of God's on you, and you never forget it. And when, I don't care who you are, if you listen. I never served the Lord until I was 22 years old, but I had an encounter with God when I was 12 and 13 because my grandfather was a, was a real Christian, a real good Christian. And we went to his church, and they had a wild move of God going on in that church. I never forgot that. Never. See, you, you, you know, I don't want to be disremembered because there's, uh, I, I, I wouldn't want this church just to be remembered because it's a nice building, beautiful inside, and a lot of nice people in it just sitting on the side of a hill. It needs to be remembered. It needs to be remembered in the annals of hell. That's where it needs to be remembered at. That's what. The, that's where they need to. Hell needs to realize that this. We're not playing church here. We mean business. We're going after it. We're not going to not relent. We're not going to back up. Bless God. We're going to go. We're going to press in, press on, and and keep this going for it. Praise God. So, but but you have to corporate catch that there's a need of survival. Mankind is on a collision course to hell. If, if somebody don't intervene and stand in the gap on their behalf, then that's where a good majority of them are going to end up. Uh, in one of the, and we might as well, <coughs> excuse me, make up our mind that we're going to have a maximum harvest. Hallelujah. Not just to get by a harvest, a maximum harvest. Praise God. We're going after it. Hallelujah. And then, then God will do it. And then, but it's amazing how your speech changes when you get in a crisis. You don't come to God and say, well, dear God, I'm, I'm here and thou art this and go through your these and thou's. You don't go, you don't tell, you don't, you got, let me tell you how you pray. You're going down the road, you're doing, especially right down here if you pull out, and we live right over here, and we pull out and go around, and they come off of the hill, they come off of the hill, I mean, they don't even know, they just, I think they see somebody come out of the side road and they step on the gas pedal. Whatever they do, they come, they're going to get you. And I mean, it seems like they're going to get you. Well, you know, in that kind of a situation, uh, you know, if, you, if you're there in that kind of a situation, some of them, you're, the way you talk, you, you don't say, no, wait a minute, I've got to pray. And do you do your little, you might have a little book of prayers and go through that little prayer. No, you say, Jesus, help me. It's amazing how he just do just, just that. He'll just help you. 
I mean, you don't, just, you don't give some kind of a flowery prayer. Brother, you pray like you mean business. Gut, I call it gut praying. Comes out of the inside of you. It even comes out without you even realizing what's happening. If it's in there, it will. You ought to be so full of Jesus, and when you squeeze you, you just oozes out. Amen? Are we here? And we'll speak truth when our survival is a must. John said in 3 John verse 4, I have no greater uh, joy than in my children speak truth. You know, they want truth. Prayer, then, but see, with a lot of people, prayers become mechanical. You just go through the motions. You just go through it. You come in here and worship. You ask Alan, he can see, he, he tries to get you to do something, and you just stand there maybe, or you've got your hands up, but you're not really pressing in. You, you can tell it's not happening. There's nothing, I mean, there's no life there. You want to come back with a mirror and put it in front of your mouth, see if you're breathing. There's no, <laughs> you might as well, you might as well tell your face to smile. We're going to have a good time. Amen, hallelujah. Amen, okay. I've, I've had one fellow just get taken. He got so mad at me, he hated me with a passion, which is that's his prerogative. He can do what he wants to. S- took his chair, sat right out in the middle of the floor like our brother sitting back in the wheelchair. And he got out like he used that and got him a great big Bible, like one of them big family Bibles, sat there and read the Bible just to intimidate me, just to make, just to get out of spite to me. So I just walked by. I figured if you could, all's fair and love and war. So I just walked back and said, you can sit there and read your Bible all day long. It don't make no difference to me. I'm still going to preach what God told me to say. <laughs> Hallelujah. He didn't like it because I preach straight sometimes. Well, people say, you just preach straight, brother. Jesus, I said, well, quit living crooked. <laughs> Amen. Israel, like the church, had a consciousness of God's presence. And what I mean by that is that they knew what they were supposed to have. Should have preached this message backwards. Started with the last note and come back this way because it makes more sense. They, 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 they carried the consciousness of God's... They, they knew what they were supposed to have. Do you know what you're supposed to have? Do you know what God wants you to have? Are you aware of what God really wants to give you and put inside of you? Do you know that? then you will pray accordingly. What they could not do, and this is because their circumstantial situation is, they couldn't correlate the two together. I'm here in bondage. I've been here for 400 years. The successive generations have been in bondage, but we're supposed to be free. You know what gets you to the house of God and gets you born again? That very thing taking place in you in some shape, manner, or form. You get to a point... In my case, when my wife and I, we, we say this, I hate to tell it because I had to go through a big, long story, but we got saved, and then the devil attacked us and ended up separating divorced and got back together. When we came, when we came the, you know, the first time, they scared the living daylights out of me. I mean, they were shouting and praising God, and I thought, what in the world? And I think you'd already gone to the altar ahead of me, and they'd come and got me. <clears throat> and I was sitting on the last seat in that building, and it was about, they had great big pews then, but the, the little seat had a seat about three people, and I was back there. I saw, if it had been a seat behind that, I'd have sat in that, but I was sitting there. And when they give an altar, when they give an altar call, I didn't respond. Somebody come and laid their hand on me, and I, I went. But when I came back, when we got away from the Lord, and I came back to the Lord, I was right over here at Smith Mountain Lake. I'd been on a drunk for a week. 
working for Appalachian Power Company, drunk, got in my car. Uh, well, I sat in a bar and chugged lugged a whole bunch of beers on top of a fifth of whiskey I'd been drinking and took two guys for a ride down in the eastern part of uh, going east of Smith Mountain. They wanted to see if I, the old police car I had would run fast, and I got about four miles down the road, and they said, let us out, and we got to go to the bathroom, and they probably did. And then they said, I'm not getting back in the car because you're crazy. Anybody knew me wouldn't get in the car with me. But I drove that thing from, from Smith Mountain Lake to Roanoke in pouring down rain, Anybody knew me knew I did one thing when I got drunk. I kept it on the floorboard and kept it between the ditches. Woke up in somebody else's house and don't even know how I got there. Yeah, somebody I knew, I guess. But, and, uh, you know, but just a few days after that, uh, I got it. I got the clue. Something inside of me made me drink. I was looking for something. Something inside of you made... So like, like you're taking drugs or you're messed up in some kind of sin. Something inside of you makes you realize that there's a need for deliverance. And you know that you ought to have it, but you don't have it. And you're frustrated because you don't know how to pray like you need to pray. Get prayed! Say, God, help me! He can hear you. You don't have to holler like that. You know, but you're a long ways off, but you still got to... You know, they know. I heard somebody sitting in the back seat because I had some old crazy friends, crazy, and do stuff like this. Sitting in the back seat, said, K.B. Hughes, you don't repent, you be dead and in hell. I said, scared the hell out of me. Huh? That's, that's dramatic. But there was something inside of me that once I had experienced God's presence, got filled with the Holy Ghost, even the first time, I, once I got to that point, even there, even there, I want to say this while I'm thinking about it. Even when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, you haven't arrived at where you need to be yet. And you won't this side of heaven. Or else Paul wouldn't have to say, press into the kingdom of God. Jesus wouldn't have to say, press into the kingdom of God. But your circumstances says to you, I ought to have God. We ought to have a move of God in this church. We need to have a move. You can say I, we ought to have. You can say I need to have. But it's what you're going to do to have it. That's what's going to make the difference. Now, all I'm preaching, I can preach to you. It don't make a bit of difference. Pastor can pre preach as good. He can preach his brains out. And it won't make a bit of difference to you. You hold the key. And some of you individually hold the key. You've got, a, you've got access to the community. You could bring tons of people into this church and get them saved and born again. Hallelujah. And do it. And, and, if, they don't, and if they come one week and don't come back second week, go back and get them. Hallelujah. And, and you know what I'm just saying. I'm giving you ideas. You do what you want. But, but, but circumstances said to them, listen, there's a contradiction going on here. God said I'm supposed to be able to cast out devils. But then no, I'm not casting out devils. They're casting me out. Huh? I'm not getting anybody healed. Listen, I was so hungry for God when I first started off that I, I prayed. For, I worked for the railroad for a while, and I, I, I had blind had a blind person I prayed for. I don't know what this is working there. I hope it wasn't nothing serious, but if it's, you know, put maybe some of the trains crashes, that was a person working on it. I don't know. But, but I said I'd stop them. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to do what I was doing. But I knew I wanted to do that. 
I wanted to do it. You see, you don't, you don't, you don't realize that down inside of you there is a want, want to, things that you want to do that you couldn't do, things that God's birthing in you that you, you couldn't possibly birth on your own. You couldn't think it up. You couldn't work it up. You can't do anything to make it happen. It's just there, and you know it's there. And you, and, but you have a contradiction going on. You can't. You can't. You don't. You know you're supposed to have it, but you don't have it. What do I have to do to do it? What do I have to do? Well, I, you know, my wife and I were separated. Like I said before, and, and the Lord, in my case, I'm not saying it's your case. I'm just saying my case. He led me on a long fast, buddy. I, I'll go back to that word sacrifice. It was a sacrifice for me to pray uh, and fast because on the sixth day I vomited pure blood. What do you do then? Quit? No, I just kept going. And my, a few years ago, I went to the went to the heart doctor. My daughter said uh, was with us. She said, "Doctor, can uh, my dad fast?" Oh yeah, he said he fast a day once in a while. And she said, "How about forty days?" He said, "What? You know, nobody fasts forty days." He said, well, "He does." There's a price to pay. There's a sacrifice that's got to be made in order to bring, a, to, to bring that contradiction in your life to a place to where it no longer has an effect upon you, but that you're walking in the power and the anointing and the power of God. You've got to want that. You've got to, you, listen, it's not just wanting it that makes it happen. It's, the, it's also showing God that he can cause you, uh, see that you're responsible, that you will use it correctly. The price of greatness is responsibility, like Churchill said. There's, there's certain things that, that God requires out of us. We cannot, you, the, the higher you walk, the narrower the steps. I mean, you can walk as high as you want to, but you have to realize you're going to have to pay attention to what you're doing. If you want, if you want, and you, and I'm talking about, I'm just talking about you individually. You can do that. You can do it. Nobody else will do it. I'm talking about the corporate body. I'm talking about a unity that comes about by the work of the Holy Ghost and the glory of God. I'm talking about us grasping the fact and the reality that we are a church that's supposed to have more. Now, we have good things. I'm not minimizing what we've had, but I'm saying more, more, and more of the presence of God. It's going from glory to glory, but you better realize there's a wilderness in between. Huh? You better understand that when you go from one level of glory to another, there's a, there's a place in between that level of glory, and it looks like all hell breaks loose. I think I'm preaching for you Wednesday night. I think I'm supposed to. I'm going to talk to you about being pulled through a keyhole backwards. Huh? I'm going to talk to you about the power to become. But the Bible said you're to become. You're to become sons of God. Huh? You can't just be nonchalant and take it. You get so much involved in activity and that we don't know what's going on. So the contradiction between who they believe they were and where they actually were circumstantially caused a difficulty in their life. And they knew they were to have God's presence. Do we know that? We know we had, we, we know that. We know if I haven't heard anything, I've heard that come across the pulpit. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the presence of God. I need that. We need that. We got to have that. What can you do apart from the presence of God? I mean, we got tons of churches. You can find them here in this in this area this morning. It's going through all the mechanics of religion, and and they call it worship. It's worth it's, it's worthless because it doesn't propel them to do the things that that God has designed them to do. We're designed for greatness. We're designed to be different than the world. We're designed 
to possess and house the power of God. We are designed to house the presence of God. We are building together for a habitation of God. We are building together. It means our joints come together and hammer together. And so, listen, some of us wouldn't have no compatibility whatsoever if it wasn't for God. And we wouldn't even like one another. But we're commanded to love, so we have to love you, but we don't have to like you. No, I don't think it works too good either. But anyway, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You see some people, you just, you know, you have a hard time, you know, with them. God don't, you, you married one of them. Ain't nobody saying nothing, they're afraid to talk right now. You, you married somebody with a different personality. You, you know, you thought they were just like you, but you found out they were not like you because they were raised with their different behavior patterns. My wife, bless her heart, I'm a hillbilly. Hillbilly people are just hillbillies. I can't know how to say it. I don't know if you're a hillbilly, but you live in the hills, and you might be a billy, but so it makes you a hillbilly. But I was from, I was, she was from Venus. I was from Mars. How'd that go? She met my family and said, oh, God, what did I get myself in for? I couldn't explain it to her. I'll tell you something about hillbilly people. They don't let you in unless they want to let you in. They'll treat you nice. They'll be kind to you, but they won't let you in. You think I don't know that, don't you? But I was one of you for a while, I know. I ain't trying to get in. Hallelujah. <laughs> I don't care whether I get in or not, to be honest with you. you know, I mean, I want to be nice to you and friendly and all of that, but I don't have to be on the inside, you know, I, I can just, I'm, I'm all right. You know, I've lived, I've lived a prophetic nomad life for 53 years, so there's no need to change it now. <laughs> You see what you're getting yourself into, brother? You get in the ministry, you get all kinds of crazy stuff. Amen. So the burning was grown out of an internal conviction. It was the, it was a groan that come out of the inside. It's something in you that's crying out. I mean, there's something you don't even realize it sometimes, but there's something inside of you. You just know, brother. I used to say it's like washing your feet, your socks on. And it's kind of how it is. You just kind of you just know. That it's just not as, do you, you, you sense that? Do you, do you sense that? You're sitting here and you're, you're being encouraged to press towards a move of God, to have a move of God, but yet you just kind of get this sense that something needs to be put a certain way or something needs to be done a certain way. Do you, do you experience that? Now, I don't mean you go change pastors and run them off. Thank you for that one right and a couple of head shakes. That's not, the, that's not what it is. Could be you. Thank you for letting me say that louder one more time, would you? That's right. All right, good. <laughs> He's big enough to take care of himself. I don't have to worry about him. <laughs> Amen. But there's in, on the inside, so say, uh, 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 Hannah was a good example. She birthed a prophet that taught most of the other prophets. She birthed him, and then he learned how to operate by ministering to the Lord. <clears throat> he learned how to worship, not just go through the mouthing of it and the mechanics of it, but to worship God. Worship him. He ministered to the Lord, and he ministered to the Lord, and he didn't even know the Lord. 
1 Samuel 37 said, he did not yet know the Lord, and the Lord encountered him. See, he, he, there was something in him that his mother put in him that caused him to cry out for that. There's something in you that the Holy Ghost has put in you that causes you to cry out for that. You just need to take the time, go off somewhere and cry. Listen, you know, I lived in Illinois with nothing but cornfields and flatland. You couldn't go to the woods and cry out to God if you wanted to. If you did, I had one place in Peoria. I called it the Elijah Brook where I went down through a hill and over another hill and come around as a little brook and I'd go down in there and pray. I liked it. My Elijah Brook. You can get up in the mountains. I, I heard pastor telling you that I think they had some kind of a witch covenant or something going up in these mountains. I said, we ought to just gather a whole bunch of God's people and now we're not, we're going to keep our clothes on. They were dancing naked. And go up there and find that spot, glory to God, and baptize it with the Holy Ghost and fire. Yeah. You're talking about a real fire. Hallelujah. You can't live on the fake. I mean, that, that, that's the thing about it. See, that was the very thing that motivated, now listen, that's the very thing that motivated uh, uh, Elijah. Something on the inside of him. He said he was, he, there was a churning. Of, you know, I, I was reading this this morning, I was thinking about it. He said to Ahab, it's not going to rain unless I say it's going to rain. And then he went off and prayed about it. God will cause you to say and do things that you're going to have to be responsible for. Amen. Amen. He hadn't even yet found out what God wanted to do in the whole matter except to say that. He just says it. Sometimes I just say it and then think later, why did I say it? What made me do that? Why in the world did I say that? I mean, you know, you give you an example. We were preaching this revival years ago, about four or five and a half week revival. And as a lady in the church, she didn't have a daughter, uh, had a daughter, but wasn't with her and run away. Didn't know where she's at. Hadn't heard from her for several years. And I didn't even, rec I didn't recall doing it. If I would have known what I was doing, I wouldn't have done it. But I didn't know, you know what I'm saying? I wasn't beside myself, but in a way I was. But, I, you know, I was conscious, but I, it just flown out. And and I said to her, your daughter you haven't heard from her. I didn't know it in the natural. I said, the daughter you haven't heard from her for several years is going to call you tonight. And I went home. I was staying with the pastor. And, and he said, do you hear what you said to sister so-and-so tonight? I said, no, I didn't hear what I said. He said, you said, he told me what I said. I said, excuse me. I went back in the room, fell on the floor. I said, oh, God, have mercy on me. This is the end of my ministry. I mean, I went to the worst scenario I could go to. While I'm on the floor praying, the phone rang. There was a woman who said, the daughter called, I'm coming home tomorrow. That's how you say things beyond yourself. Hallelujah. Amen. You get, you, 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 you know, and that's, it's in you all along. What's in you, you're going to find out has been there for a long, long time, but you just hadn't cultivated it. What do you do? Well, I'm going to tell you one thing. I, 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 I firmly believe more than anything else. You ought to pray in tongues when you're in the market. You ought to pray in tongues when you're downtown. You ought to pray in tongues if you're at the uh, Belks, wherever you're at, just pray. And if it gets overcomes you, just pray out loud and, and have revival and, and get somebody all stirred up if you need to. I mean, just do Somebody said, well, I wouldn't do that. The Holy Spirit is dignified. Well, how come they fell around drunk on the day of Pentecost if he's dignified? Huh? Tell me that. I'd like to know. Well, I wouldn't fall around drunk. No, don't say that. You're number one candidate for a drunk. Huh? Everything I said I wouldn't do, I've done. And then beyond all of that, praise God. Let me finish this if I can. I know what time it is. It's 25 after 12, and that don't mean nothing. I, uh, 
Okay, yeah, you don't mean nothing. Thank you once again for your shouting. And I'm going to leave. Ian Bounds said, Prayer is the one primal eternal condition of which the Father has pledged to put his Son in possession of the world. That's a powerful statement. John Wilson said, it seems like God will do nothing in the earth unless someone asks him and keeps on asking. And the Bible said, asking you shall receive, seeking you shall find, knocking it shall be opened unto you. You said that. Uh, so, see, sometimes it takes a catastrophe to get us to pray. I, I wrote my notes, and I'm not going to preach out of that one set of notes, but we seem to go from one crisis to another. Somewhere in that scenario, you ought to catch the idea that God wants you to pray. Are you here? You go from one crisis to another, and you never get the clue. <laughs> God, <I> keep, <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus, I think I've done all I'm supposed to do. I can't do any more. can't do anything beyond this point. It's by the power of the Spirit. It's not by my power, not by my strength. But I've presented what I feel like you want me to present. Not all of it, but enough to get the point across. We know that the earnest expectation of the creation is in fact waiting for a manifestation of the sons and daughters of God. That takes a work of the Spirit of God. The Bible said, Beloved, now we're the sons of God. That includes the daughters. Now we are. Now and you're looking for us to stand up and become what it is that you created us and named us and called us to be. Mature, perfected, completed saints who are walking in and of the power of God. Walking in it. Not just talking about it. And what it's going to be and how it's going to be, but walking in it. You want us walking in the Spirit. And I believe that, that, that this message is for this church collectively. I believe that they're going to, as we would sometimes say, belly up to the bar. They're going to stand up to the responsibility and realize that if God does anything in this earth, yeah, I need to ask him. I'll start with myself and say, God, I want you to do it in me. I want you to do in me. And help me not to quench the Spirit of God or to despise that which the Spirit of God does or be ashamed of that. Hallelujah. But just let the Spirit of God have His way. We realize as God's people, we don't have the fullness of Your... You said, Your Word said, of Your fullness we have received. And we don't... But, and we have received it, I know. But at the same time, we're not walking in it as we should. The Bible said we ought to walk in the Spirit. And we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And God, I believe there's people in this place that are really hungry for you. Really hungry to be used and moved upon by God. And to be a part of what you're going to do in this place in the days ahead. They want to be a part of it. There's something inside of them crying out for it. They haven't been able to identify it. But hopefully they can now. They realize that the Spirit of God is causing them to groan causing them to cry out, causing them to moan. And God, they're wanting the presence of God and wanting to be used. And I believe they are. And so I'm, I'm praying for everyone under the sound of my voice that is like that. 
that you will, they will not be denied. They will not be denied. But they will fulfill what you call them to do in their purpose on this earth. We're, we're, your purpose is that we be a full, mature, power-working body of Christ. And so we, we're pulling toward that. In Jesus' name, stand up on your feet, would you please? Amen. I'm just going to simply ask this question. How many of you want God? Maybe you're not a Christian. You, you certainly need to receive Him. And I'm going to give you that opportunity. If you're here and you do not know the Lord as your Savior, you'd save an uplifting hand. I'm interested in, in being introduced to Him. Just hold your hand up so I can see it because I want to know. This may have been just for the church today. I, I'm not sure. <coughs> But you'd say, now at least until in a little bit, in, in, in a way, see that a lot of the responsibility of what happens in this church is on me. And I want to be all, like they say in the army, I want to be all that I can be. Well, you're in the army now. You hear a little song, you a little jingle, you sing, I'm in the army now. I'm not behind the plow, but you are behind it. Better get with it. You better get with it. You're in the army now. And so you're going to say, by your response, I realize there's something in me. I don't realize everything that I need to know about it, but I want that to be brought to fruition. I want to be all that I can be. I want to be, I want that. This is that. That. They didn't know what they were looking for in the Pentecost, but they said this is that. I don't think they knew what they had, but it, it was more than that. Hallelujah. And you say just by a simple response, by coming to an altar, an old-fashioned altar, and say, I'm going to cry out to you, God. And I, want, I don't want I, the need of survival for this community and this region, this area, is me doing my job and laying hold of the power of God. And I want to apprehend that for which I'm apprehended by it. You just say, by moving out of your seat and coming to an old-fashioned altar, Lord, I want you to use me. I want you to put, I want that power. And just move, move. Don't, I'm going to beg you. I'm not going to pull on you. It's up to you. It's between you and God. You want to kneel, you can. You want to stand, you can. But you cry out to God and you say, listen, we are in a need. We are in need. A move of the Holy Ghost. we got to have it. And I, I want to carry the responsibility, my part of the responsibility. Yes, in the name of Jesus. You need to come. You need to you feel you need to come. You come. And uh, let's just spend a little time around the front talking to the Lord and say, we're in a desperate situation, God. Groan out to him. Let the Holy Ghost have his way. Hallelujah. Let there be noise in the house. That's okay. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, 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 most people I know they want to do it, and God, you're going to meet them, you're going to meet them where they're at, you're going to cause them to see what they have on the inside, oh, yes, 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 y
God, we need you. We need you. We need your spirit. We need the move of your spirit. We need the power of your presence. We need you. We need you. Hallelujah. We want you. Hallelujah. It's our desire. Hallelujah. We don't want to go through the motions. We want the reality of it all. Hallelujah. We don't want to be just mouth worshipers. We want to be true worshipers. We want to be true to the presence of God. Hallelujah. Yes. Have your way, Lord, in the lives of your people. Have your way. Have your way in my life, Father. In Jesus' name. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, 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 yes. yes, yes. Hallelujah. And then just lay, if you're close to somebody, just lay your hands on the person next to you and pray for them that God will cause that which is on the inside of them to be brought to full force. Amen. Just pray one for another. Uh, that that kind of helps you get unified here. Amen. Me money go, you go money go. Eat the same spiritual meat. We're going to drink the same spiritual drink. Hallelujah. We're going to have it. We're going to have it. Be unified in the presence of God. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Yes, 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 yes. Pray one for another, the Bible says. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. In the name of Jesus. You want to make the blind see and the deaf hear and the lame to walk. You want that. Want that. You want people to flood to the altars and come to Christ. You want it in this place. You want it in this place. Hallelujah. And we want it. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Oh, yes, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Yes, it's the Papa Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. Oh, 